Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. I'm going to start off with a Bible verse. Hebrews 12:11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Danny Reed last week had a message about preparing our hearts for the fall feast, and I didn't even talk to him about what my message would really be about. I briefly mentioned it, but our messages lined up perfectly. So I feel like maybe the Father is really trying to speak to us. There's some other verses here I want to read in regards to that. Proverbs 15, 32. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Psalm 34, 18. Yahweh is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I uh, wanted to read those verses because at times, you know, the scriptures tell us things we don't necessarily like to hear that might you know, make us feel a little guilty or convicted and It is always good when it comes from the Father is what I'm saying. And that even though we might pain at first, it hurts to be corrected, it's a good thing because he's causing us to become closer to him and and grow as sons and daughters of Yahweh. I also want to tie this all, this subject that I'm about to present to you with Jeremiah 24-7, which is our theme coming up for the Feast of Tabernacles. Jeremiah 24-7, Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am Yahweh, And they shall be my people, and I'll be their Elohim, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. So today's message is about gossip, slander, and unforgiveness. I know some, you know, we could we could cover topics that are a little more on the lighter side, and I could easily do that. But I feel like as we approach the Feast of Tabernacles, which which includes also the Day of Atonement. We need to start to reflect on ourselves as an assembly, corporately and also individually. And don't worry, I'm putting myself out there also. Um, I want us to grow as an assembly, to succeed as an assembly, to be a beacon of light to Eastland County and to Texas. And it starts with preparing ourselves when we approach him at his altar and recognizing that the dangers of gossip, slander, and unforgiveness can actually destroy an assembly And right now, I believe um, that we are in a fork in the road and we have a decision to make. I quickly just want to define what is gossip, slander, and unforgiveness just for the maybe younger audience that might have a slight misunderstanding as to what these might mean. So, what is gossip? It's one who reveals secrets. It's one who reveals information to those who have no business knowing it having the goal of building themselves up by making others look bad. So whenever I read that, I I think of how it's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel is what? The bearing of good news. Well, gossip is the bearing of bad news. And so we should be taking this seriously. Uh, It's speaking of the faults and failings of others without their knowledge or approval. And it's the sin of bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. And that's key at the very end there. It says, out of a bad heart. I mean, sometimes we do have bad news and we do have to tell somebody about it, right? But if we're doing it out of a bad heart to tear someone down, you might be in 
um, you might be gossiping. And again, I myself have caught myself doing this, so please don't take it as me pointing the finger. I, when you point the finger, you got three more coming at you, so trust me when I say that I'm convicted of this also. There's some verses to line this up with, the gossiping. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Proverbs 11.13 A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. So ask yourself if you still think I've never gossiped. Whenever you do start to talk and, you know, things happen, it's so easy to just have a small conversation with a friend. You're just catching up and you blink and suddenly you're like, are we, are we talking about something we shouldn't be talking about? Is this any of my business? Uh, is this information even true? Because technically I got it from somebody who got it from somebody, so the telephone game might have been happening there. Am I telling others out of an evil heart? Am I, am I enjoying this that, you know, this is tearing someone down? Is, is this tearing someone down, or is this building them up? Does the person know I'm talking about them? And if they did, say they walked around the corner and heard us talking, how would they react? And if it's not in a good way, perhaps it's maybe because we're, we've accidentally started gossiping. gossiping. Moving on to slander. Slander is the utterance of false charges or misrepresentation which defame and damage another's reputation. It's an attempt to harm someone's reputation. If you're slandering, you're hurting someone's image. Slander, uh, gossip, and verbal abuse can actually cause people who are victims of it to be fallen into depression and anxiety. I want to share a story of a family member of mine. Um, it was a cousin. Her name was Angel. She fell into uh, some bullying at school, and part of bullying is spreading rumors, gossiping, slander. And it, she, you know, when, when someone ruins your reputation in an entire school, um, it's hard to shake it off at times because people just hang on to those lies and she's one against a thousand at that point. She fell into some serious depression, some serious anxiety. And eventually, uh, sadly, she took her own life. Uh, this message isn't just for me as an adult or to all the other adults here. If you are around the age of middle school, or entering into high school, or even younger, just know that, please, this message is for you also. Um, we can all be uh, susceptible to gossip and slander, and it might seem innocent, but um, our tongue, as Stink Scripture says, is one of the smallest parts of our bodies, but can cause a war. So I think it's important that we take this seriously, especially since we're hosting a feast, and we have guests, so I think we should... Really, um, really be prepared to be a host and to be prime examples of the Most High. Leviticus 19.16, do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am Yahweh. Notice it says it endangers their life. Exodus 20.16, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19. There are six things Yahweh hates. These things I think are important that we listen carefully. There are six things that Yahweh hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. 
feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness, one who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. James 4.11, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law. So when I defined and used scripture for slander and gossip, I think that it all ends up, um, if you could sit these people down and say, well, why did you say that about me? Or why did you bring this up? Or why did you even go out of your way to slander me? I think, not all the time, but I think a lot of times it's rooted in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is the inability or the unwillingness to forgive. A state of emotional and mental distress that results from a delayed response in forgiving an offender. So it's a conscious choice to say, I'm not letting this go. I want my revenge. He's going to get or she's going to get what she deserves and according to my statutes or my standards. To compare unforgiveness to forgiveness, here's forgiveness. It's a conscious decision, that is forgiveness, a conscious decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person who harmed you, regardless if they deserve it. It's regardless if they deserve it. Again, we are not the final judges. I'm not here to say you deserve X amount of slander for what you said about me or vice versa. And thus, we need to forgive if we are catching ourselves all the time gossiping and slandering about certain people in our lives. There's maybe some deep-rooted unforgiveness. So, for this um, message, I have three main points that I wanted to bring to you guys. But before I do that, I wanted to bring an analogy into the situation here. You ever get onto a, an airplane and you're about to fly somewhere? And you get a little nervous. Every time I sit there at the window and I look out and I look at that wing to make sure it looks like it's, it's well put on and nothing's shaky on it. And, you know, the duct tape is nice and solid on there. But I can't do much sitting there in my uncomfortable seat, you know. I see about three or four guys, women, men and women, in about, uh, wearing orange jackets with their little clipboard. And they're pointing at the wing, the engine, the, the tires. And I'm thinking, I hope y'all had a good night's sleep last night. And you had your coffee, and you didn't get in a fight with your spouse this morning, because I hope you're paying attention to all the details. Because when we're about 5,000 feet in the air, and something starts to wiggle loose, it's not good, you know? You might think, this is far-fetched and ridiculous, John, but I one time was on a flight, and we pulled out, and then the plane got right back into the position of parked, and the pilot said, well, um, the odometer... On our screen says the gas tank was full, but they did a manual check with some stick and found out we had only like a half a tank of gas. So we wouldn't have even made it to the destination with that much gas. So I'm glad that they checked. But the point is that the odometer can go out and they don't know when. And all these little details to making sure that one flight goes well. And this plane's probably used three, four times a week. My point is, when we, as an assembly, we're a team, and this assembly and the property is like a big plane. I think that we should, before we host, look at all the little things from internally ourselves to corporately and ask ourselves, is everything lined up according to what the Father wants? Is anything out of place? Is there any, anything that I tucked under the rug or just duct tape and Mickey Mouse that needs to be faced and needs to be dealt with? Are there any relationships that I need to uh, amend and, and fix? Are there people I need to forgive um, before this plane takes off, you know, the Father says, make your hearts right. 
before you come to the altar. And if we're going to have the holiest of all the appointed times approaching us, I think we should be doing that. We should be the people with the clipboards and the yellow jackets saying, hey guys, let's be honest, we could fix this plane up a little more. There are some things that need to be fixed. And it's not a bad thing because when the Father sees that, he sees a broken heart, humility, the hunger for righteousness, and he blesses us. And I believe we'll have the greatest Feast of Tabernacles we'll ever have. Okay, so the three main points. Point number one, these things, that is gossip, slander, unforgiveness, can destroy an assembly from the inside out. I think of, uh, have you guys ever watched these uh, National Geographic shows and they have like some strange insect you've never heard of and it terrifies you because you think, I hope that's not in my state. But uh, the one that I remember seeing one time was a parasite, um, I believe it was a parasite, um, this it was like a praying mantis, and he was moving around, doing his thing, looking alive, and the commentator says, the, par- the praying mantis is long gone. He's, he's not alive anymore. And I'm like a 10-year-old thinking, how is that possible? They said that some insects can actually go inside of a larger insects and take over their entire nervous system and pretend to be alive to, ad- uh, to attract other insects near them. And thus, the insect looks alive, but on the inside, it's, it's dead. I think that um, if we don't fix ourselves from the inside out, we can look like a living, fine-looking assembly on the outside, but on the inside, we we don't want to be that uh, whitewashed tomb. So it starts from the inside, and then we work our way out. Gossip, slander, and unforgiveness can destroy the reputation of an assembly from the outside. So as I just made my first point about the inside, the outside of the assembly can also be affected. We have hundreds of trucks and cars drive by, and I've seen people come into the property asking what we're about because they drove past us. So people do see us, and if we for one moment mess up by, you know, being seen at the first impression as someone who's slandering, gossiping, um, having this division among ourselves, they're going to associate that with who? The name on the board that they drove past, Yahweh. They're going to say, well, whatever this Yahweh religion is, I've been in there and I don't like what I see, and I'm going to associate Yahweh to that. And that is what we know as taking his name, blaspheming his name. And I think that's, that's very serious. But point number three that I'll bring up is if we repent, return to him, and if we restore ourselves in a, an, as, a, as a whole and individually, Yahweh promises that he will heal us and heal our land and give us a revival. All right, point number one. Like I said, this can destroy an assembly. Um, personally, I've heard things, people say that, uh, I, I think I'll miss Shabbat today. I think I won't come to service today to avoid a certain person. Me and them aren't getting along. Maybe they said something to me last week. Maybe I just don't get along with them and they don't seem to feel sorry for what they've said or whatever it is. Um, it's, it's this problem of gossip and slander and unforgiveness that's lead people to literally want to miss Shabbat service. And sadly, we might even notice that there's division among us in the fall feasts or in the spring feasts. Um, People are holding on to grudges and wrongdoings, and we can sense that division among certain people. And the outsiders, when they come to visit, we don't want them to see or sense that. They want to see unity in Yeshua. We are one in Yeshua, as Yeshua says. 
I even want to get as detailed as the dining hall. When we're done with our service, we go into the dining hall. I, I am sad to ever sense any division due to some slander, unforgiveness, or gossip. And again, this message isn't just for adults. It's for the younger crowds also. I've heard, you know, that some people have gone home crying because somebody said something about them or told them, don't hang out with him, don't hang out with her, stay away from him, stay away from her. And it's all slander. It's not true. And it's ruining their reputation. And they end up crying and wanting to not want to come back. And that, that breaks my heart. <clears throat> so this isn't just for us adults. It's for the children also. <clears throat> and do we remember what Yeshua said if we cause the little ones to stumble? And uh, people avoid gatherings like dinners and fellowships. Uh, you know, and uh, you say, well, where's Joe Schmo? Where's you know, whoever, and they think, oh, well, they would have came, but then they heard about whoever else, and there's this division, and then we, we have people missing at our own fellowships and get-togethers. And I got to say, uh, uh, when, we, when we look for buying a house and we see a little crack on the side of the foundation, we might not think much of it, but an expert says that crack is bad. It might not be, the house isn't falling yet, but it's the beginning of it falling, and it might take a couple years, but this house will fall if you don't fix it. So I also think to myself that a house divided cannot stand. And if there are little cracks in our walls, cracks in our foundation, cracks in our relationships, um, it's only a matter of time before this place is divided to the point of no return. And I don't want that. I want us to be uh, a beacon of light and a strong tower for the Most High to use to, to bring the nations to Yeshua. Uh, before we come to the feasts, which is a form of coming to his altar, to the Father's altar, I, I, I encourage everyone to make amends with anyone that you don't get along or with whatever happened. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, that includes like a feast day, and, they remember that and you remember that um, your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Yahweh says, one comes before the other. There's priority. Okay, so making amends with your brother is more important to me than you just bringing a gift to the altar knowing that you have a problem with his own, his own children. My dad was big on this. Uh, my dad passed away in like 2007, but... He, he would talk to us a lot about what his desires are. The fat past, last two, three years of his life, he knew he was passing away. I kept saying, you know, I plugged my ears like, no, you're not going to pass away. You're fine. But he said, no, I need you to listen, John. Um, I need you as the oldest to get along with your siblings. I need you guys to make sure that you stay together. You got, you, that's all you got for now. This is, this is your family. So when I'm gone, I want to make sure that you guys get along. Even if someone did something, you forgive them and... He used to say, and you guys might know this saying since we're in the South, he used to say, blood is thicker than water. Uh, he was from Tennessee, so. So also I think we're a family. You guys are my brothers and sisters. And um, if I ever did you any wrong, just tell me. Uh, I know I said things probably rubbed you the wrong way maybe, and uh, I just want us all to do what Yeshua is telling us to do here so that we can freely come to the altar. <clears throat> Part two, uh, point number two, slander, gossip, and unforgiveness can destroy an assembly from the outside. 
Outsiders see this division. They hear the slanders maybe. It's only a matter of time if we practice slandering, we practice unforgiveness. It's like a stench. You walk into a house that has, you know, something spoiled. Like you open the fridge when it's some spoiled food. You got to throw all the food out. You're like, I don't even know what's in here, but it's got to go. And so I don't want us to be that. I want people to walk in and sense what? The victory of Yeshua, the love of Yahweh. They, that's what I want them to feel. Um, I, I don't want people to come and then decide not to come back. Not because like, oh, well, I don't like your windows and whatever. But I want them to not to say, I, I didn't come back because the people, the way they talked to each other, the way they treated me or perhaps, you know, what I saw, and uh, it's caused me to say, maybe I'll go somewhere else. I don't want that to happen. Perhaps gossip, slander, and unforgiveness uh, leads people to associate, uh, associate that with our faith. Because there are people who are new to the faith, and they can't divide the difference between the shortcomings of the people and the perfect most high, so they associate us by saying, okay, well, if you guys are unforgiving and slanderous, and I think that also maybe the Father uh, might not forgive me, right? I, that's, that's a possibility. We all had a father figure, and if we had a, a toxic one, um, we might have associated that earthly father who's not perfect and associated that with the Most High by saying, well, if my earthly father never loved me, never gave me a hug, never said I love you, then I don't know how the Heavenly Father could say I love you because that does not compute the same applies to this, where they're looking at us as an example of who Yahweh is. They're looking at us as an example of what Yahweh is about. And if we don't show them fruits of righteousness, kindness, love, peace, patience, Corinthians 13 kind of fruit, but instead show them things that Yahweh hates, I think that affects them on the outside. Um, we, re we represent Yahweh as his people. We look, we, if we look bad, we make his name look bad. And that's very serious because, I, again, I said it could be bl blaspheming his name. Matthew 18, 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have great milestone fastened around his neck and be thrown and drowned in the depth of the sea. These are Yahshua's words. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of Yahweh your Elohim in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. If we heard his name when we practice slander, gossip, and unforgiveness... We're falling into even deeper-rooted sins. Uh, point number three. I want to uh, finish with a positive, since you guys probably all are like, I can't stand that guy right now. <laughs> I want to finish with a positive. I, I say all this, this whole message was because I love you guys. It's not because I'm looking to uh, ruin your day. Uh, it's because I love you, and I think that um, this assembly has got so much potential that... Um, I, I get excited about it, you know, seeing the people come here with broken hearts, with no hope, thinking that there's, there's no point to live, to live, and then they come here, and the forgiveness of Yahweh revives them because they see that we forgive one another and that we have victory over sin and death, and I see lives change in Cisco and Eastland. That's what I want to see. Excuse me if I'm getting emotional. I'm just talking about the kingdom, you know. Point number three is, if we repent and trust Yahweh, that is by humbling ourselves, uh, he will heal us and restore us for any damage we've done, including myself. Our faith and what we believe leads to action, am I right? 
we're not one of these easy believism assemblies where as long as you say a prayer and go live your life however you want, you're good to go because you said this prayer 20 years ago. Instead, our faith, the biblical faith, says that this true faith, the Hebrew faith, leads to action. So if we believe what we believe, that the word is the Bible, and what it says is truth, then it leads us to action, which is to want to um, come to the Father with a broken heart, repent and change our habits, renew our minds, to say, Father, I was wrong, I thought I could hold on to this grudge, or I thought it was okay to you know, continuously tear down these people. But we should confess this to one another and say, I, I was wrong. I, I shouldn't have said that about you. And um, perhaps I have some unforgiveness. We seek resolution with those we've hurt and vice versa, those who've hurt you. Come to the fall feast with a humble heart, trusting that Yah will be the final judge, not us. Trust him. If you think like this person did me wrong and they're going around doing it again to someone else, correct them, sure, bring a witness. But trust that the father will be the judge. And just forgive them and move on. Proverbs 10:12, hatred stirred, stirreth up strife, but love covers all sin. Matthew 6:14 to 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Mark 11:25. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you and your trespasses. I wanted to share my journey of unforgiveness to let you guys know I'm not uh, some perfect saint up here. Before I came to the Torah, I was going to a Sunday Christian assembly church and the first year was great. They taught me about faith repentance, baptism, um, called me to not be lukewarm, to put my whole heart into the, to the word of Yah, and to start to act like a, a believer, and not just have one foot in the world and one foot in the assembly, which is what I was doing. I had worldly friends on the weekdays, and then when the weekend came, I knew how to, uh, you know, hide the X on my hand from the club, you know, or something, and, and just do my time in the church or something. And, and that's hypocrisy, and it's a lukewarm spirit, the Father will spit me out if I, if I stayed that way. So, thankfully, this assembly on Sunday, this Sunday church assembly, called me out of that and said, it's time to be a full-time believer. So, there's some good to that place. But as the years went by, two or three years, um, there was some spiritual abuse, okay? Uh, they would use scripture out of context to control and manipulate people. And they would put fear into you, an unhealthy fear into people, in order to have the blind obedience to the leadership. Pretty much, the leader is anointed, and if he says something, it's the gospel, and you can't question it. I don't think that's healthy. I mean, we should test everything with the word of Yah. So, I'm trying to fast forward the story, but there was years of um, things that happened to me that caused me, when I finally did leave, I left with a, with a hurt, hurting heart, because I, I know that uh, when people leave this assembly, they get labeled a certain thing, which is unteachable, demon-possessed, um, harlot, or uh, what's, the, what's the female uh, Jezebel spirit? Um, it was just an endless list of negativity to anybody who left the assembly, because it couldn't possibly be us. It's them. So when I left, I was like, I could only imagine what they're saying about me. And I, again, this is all tied to the message of what do we do? 
when people talk about us and tear down our reputation. And um, I was angry, I'm not going to lie, really angry. I spent so much time thinking of ways I can come back and hand out pamphlets to anyone who's new to the assembly, tell them, get out of here, you know, or make YouTube videos or Facebook posts or anything to expose this assembly, church, Sunday church. And um, as the time went by, I kept feeling that the Father was tugging on my heart. I was going through the seven stages of grief, um, you know, denial and anger and, and whatnot. But the Father finally told me, forgive and I says, I don't know how to. You, I don't know if you guys can relate, but if anybody's done you wrong for not just a day, not for a moment, but maybe for months and years, and you think, I can't. I don't know how to. I can say the words, I forgive you, but I don't feel a thing. I still despise these people when I think of them. Well, that's where I was, and so that's why I had to fall on my knees and ask the Father, Father, you have to give me the heart to forgive these people because I can't, and I don't know how to. And so... Slowly but surely, the Father softened my heart more and more and more to the point where I said, who am I, oh man, to hold any grudge against anyone when the Father's forgiven me of a, a thousandfold wrongdoings compared to what they've done to me? And so with that said, I, I started to realize that I was um, a hypocrite for holding on to someone else's wrongdoings when I myself have been forgiven of all things that I've done to the Father. And that, that faith that produced work, then I was able to have that strength to forgive, to release them of wrongdoing, even though, till this day, they're not changing, they haven't changed, they haven't changed much. Uh, I check in once in a while to see what they're up to, but they haven't changed much, so. But I released them of their wrongdoings of what they'd done to me and my family, and I love them now. I actually, I actually love these people, and I, I, I called one of them, uh, I believe it was two days ago. <laughs> you, gotta imagine, uh, you gotta imagine these people, um, when I, when if I saw them in public, have a full-blown panic attack because you're like, oh my gosh, it's them. Uh, so I'm calling who, who was once my mentor at this assembly. My heart's racing. I'm thinking, okay, why am I calling this guy? He's just going to hang up on me, call me a heretic or something. So when I call, he answers, and we talk for a good hour. And I just tell him, look, I'm messianic now. I'm approaching what's known as the Day of Atonement. And the commandment is to make right with all your brothers in Yeshua before you come to the altar. We haven't spoken in nine years. I'm surprised you even took my call, but I want to let you know that I forgive you for anything you've done to me, and also I want to ask for forgiveness for anything I've done to you. In the end, he actually said, you know, I'm sorry for what I've done. I am not a perfect man. I am a heavy-handed minister. I, I do tend to sometimes speak before I filter my words, and I can see if the examples you've given me that I can see why you were so broken by the time you left and then vice versa and I told him I forgive him for anything he's done he forgave me for holding on to that anger for so many years and at the end I said this for the father it's for his glory that that's one of the main points I want to make today it's not on my list but when you forgive someone or they forgive you and you make amends this isn't for your shine this isn't for your reputation and your name you're not shining your name and saying, I look good now. I forgave someone. Look at me. This is for the glory of Yah. Because when the outsider and the true enemies look down and say, look at this assembly. They can't even get, get along. But then when they say, how are they able to forgive so much? How, much they, how come they have so much peace? How come they have so much joy? And that's because of the power of Yah, the power of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And 
We give him glory when we do these things. All right, so let's see. Um, I, I think we can all end up catching ourselves with the idea that this isn't for me. This isn't me. I don't gossip. I don't slander. But I think we all need to humble ourselves and realize we all could be possibly guilty of something, even if it was nine years ago, that needs to be dealt with, like an old skeleton in the closet, right? So I want to read this to you guys. Luke 18, 10 to 14. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and began praying. Notice he's standing proud, and he began praying this in regard to himself. Elohim, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, crooked, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I pay tithes, all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to raise his eyes toward heaven, <clears throat> but was beaten, beating his chest, saying, Elohim, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went to his house justified rather than the one standing proud. Um, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so I ask that everyone maybe takes the time to find some quiet time and we all fall on our knees to ask the Father, who is it that I need to forgive? Who is it that I did wrong? And vice versa, who did me wrong that I need to forgive? And, um, and the other way around. Uh, just as a little side note, uh, I thought this was important as a side note, because uh, these messages get recorded, so I just want to make sure that there's anybody who's listening from another state or something that has a, a very specific situation. I just want you all to hear me out. To forgive someone does not mean you should be going back to someone who's uh, an actual physical danger to you, or who's physically abusive to you, or, or like seriously toxic to you, who's controlled or manipulated when you forgive them that doesn't mean you can let them back into your life and be right next to you all the time and let them live with you again or whatever that may if they have endangered your life or something that's between you the father ask for wisdom as to how close you let them get back but you don't have to let them get close in order to forgive them that's all i'm saying forgiveness and setting up boundaries that's all wisdom that i think um, should be said is don't let the two get mixed up um, but this message was mainly for us as an assembly and anyone listening that's part of this assembly that um, we host feasts, so I just thought we should prepare our hearts for the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. So to conclude, gossip, slander, and unforgiveness destroys assemblies. Like a disease, it destroys it from the inside and outside. It leads to heavier sins like ruining Yahweh's name and causing little ones to stumble and not want to come back. How to deal with it? I think we should all consider ourselves guilty at one point or another, including myself, of doing these things. To humble ourselves and fix the problem. This needs to change as we enter into the fall feast, as we return to Yahweh with our whole heart. Because believe it or not, if you're holding on to this one unforgiving situation and you're trying to enter into the Father's altar, it's like a dog chain. You can't even... You can only go so far before that sin is holding you back. And you can't give them your whole heart. You can only give them 90% or whatever. So ask for wisdom, humility, peace, and a softer heart. If, you, if you're like me and you, 
you, you're like, I need to make, it, I make things even. I need to seek revenge or whatever because your, your flesh and your pride, you know, as a man, you're like, I can't let them say that about me. I, I want to ask for humility, peace, and a softer heart to forgive, to be slower to speak, quicker to forgive. Prepare your hearts and return to the Father with your whole heart. And, let's, and I think when we do that, we will become a brighter beacon of light to the city set on a hill, a Cis, uh, like Cisco and Eastland. They will look to us for uh, answers and wisdom to restore relationships and also to know the Father and our Messiah. If we humble ourselves and repent, Yahweh will use us. But if we don't, he might lift his hand and we might become devoured from our own division and be conquered. So this is the fork that we are in the road and to decide on. Let's take these few weeks ahead to the fall feasts on our knees like that tax collector, brokenhearted. And let's make that phone call. Let's meet up for that coffee. Let's get with these people that we've been ignoring or avoiding. And let's give Yahweh the glory he deserves when we do these things. Hebrews 12:11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Jeremiah 24, 7, Then I will give them a heart, he will give us that heart, to know me, that I am Yahweh, and they shall be my people, and I will be their Elohim, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen is the last verse, and it's one that I think is one of my favorites. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Thank you.